Lord God of heaven, we pray that we can always draw near to you and we know that you are near to us. May we never desert you or forsake you, Father. May we realize the supercharged time in which we live. This could be a time in which your word speaks more of than any other thing. We are in dire need of you and your word and your counsel to guide us, Father. You are our portion and our strength. And I pray that this day we trust in thee with all of our heart. And I pray that you will allow your servant to declare unto your people all of your works this day. May we praise you and glorify you in all that we say and do in this worship service. In Jesus' dear name, amen. Last week, are you ready? Boy, last week we figured out why we're here, didn't we? We figured out why man is here. And I'm going to catch some of the folks up that haven't, that, that was out on vacation or wasn't able to be here last week. But, but it's because I want to take it in a different way. It's not just like a review and we're just going over things for no reason. Last week we pointed this thing into why man was here and all of these things happened to bring man about to this point. To be a witness for God in the angelic conflict. The reason you and I are here is because there was the battle, there was a sentence handed out, the accuser said that sentence is not fair, and God said, oh, I will prove to you in the court that it is, and voila, he made man, who is a little lower than you angels, and who has never been in the heavenly realm like you were, Satan, to see me, to know me, to worship me, to have everything that you had, and then you still deserve me, and you think that I am unloving, and I am unjust, and I am unrighteous for what I have sentenced you to. Well, man who is even lower than you on the totem pole, who will be relegated to this earth and not ever see me, the only thing that they will have as a knowledge of me is my word, but they will love me and believe in me and my son and what he did upon the cross and love not their life even unto death. And that will prove that I am righteous and just for the sentence I have handed to you. And that's why we're here. And we said last week that... As that witness for Christ. How did we overcome? By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of our testimony. Our life and how we live and what we say. And that we love not our lives even unto death. That is our witness. That is how we overcome. And whenever Jesus was death. His burial. His resurrection. He appeared to those apostles. The ten that was in the room on that first weekend. And they all saw him. And when Thomas arrived, they shouted and said, We've seen the Lord. He is real. He's here. He's resurrected. Just as he said. You remember what he said? He said, Unless I see the wounds in his hand and that wound in his side. And unless I can take my finger and put it in his hand. Or take my hand and put it into that side. Unless I see that, I will not believe you. Eight days later, the Lord appears again. And this time, all 11 of them was there. And he walks right up in love and in grace up to Thomas. And he says, Thomas, here's my hand. You want to put your finger here? Here's, here's my side. Do you want to put your hand there? And it says, Thomas fell to his knees. And he said, Lord, my Lord and my God. And Jesus looked at him and he said, Thomas, blessed are you because you have saw and you now believed. But blessed are all of those who have not seen me and yet what? Still believe. And that is the witness for the Lord in this angelic conflict. That's what it's all about, to be a witness in the trial that's going on and we're going to see today not only how everything falls in together for that witness but how 
how Satan's fall impacted not only the heavenly realm, but it impacted this earth, and that how that the earth then is restored for habitation for mankind, and man is going to be brought out on this appeal. And that's what we're going to discuss. So you all ready to take it in? I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to tell you right off. I'm taking my time because I'm, I'm working up some energy from all of you because I'm telling you, this is one of my favorite sections of Scripture. I'm not going to go deep in Genesis because we're doing that on Wednesdays when we start back up and we've done it deep. But I'm giving you, for those who wasn't there with us, I'm, I'm giving you the high points of it because this is my favorite, absolute favorite thing to teach and to see your eyes light up with the truth. So we're going to continue to build upon our foundations that we've been building about the Godhead, the creation, the angelic conflict, this physical earth, the heavenly realms. We're going to go deep into it, uh, onto what happened and, and why Adam and Eve and you and I are on this earth and here today. So as we noted, there were several scriptures that, that we laid as a foundation that happened to this earth because of the fall from heaven. And as Satan fell, he was burned and ashes and the earth with him. And Jesus said, I saw when he fell and was cast out of heaven, I saw him fall as lightning. Revelation chapter 12 says here, it's, it tells about the battle and how that it, it, the war broke out in heaven. And how that Michael and his angels began fighting with Satan and his angels. And how that he drug a third of them with him. And how that he prevailed not. But Michael and his angels prevailed. The Lord God's most powerful angels prevailed. He didn't even have to step in. He could have quenched it with a word. But it says then that the great dragon who was cast out. That serpent of old, so we're going to get ready to see next week the serpent of old in Genesis chapter 3 appear. So the serpent of old who appeared in the garden and caused all of this fall on earth like he did in, in the heavenly realm. Who is called, and I want you're, we're going to remember this later on, he is called, so this is a nickname. This is not, Lucifer is the proper name of the devil. The devil and Satan and dragon and serpent are nicknames for his character and who he is. And it's God's nickname for him. The serpent, the devil who is called to be devil and Satan. His job to deceive the entire world. He is being cast to earth and his angels cast out with him. And those who are believers rejoice in the salvation and the power of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 11, we overcame by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of the testimony. We love not our lives even unto death, but those who are earth dwellers, those who are not seekers of the heavenly realm. The heavens will rejoice and all of we who will dwell there. But woe to the inhabitants in the earth and the sea. Because the devil has come down to you having great wrath. And he knows that his time is short. So the devil is being cast down to here. His time is short. He wants to deceive the entire world. So that he proves his point in this trial. That he is going to have with before God. In that great white throne of judgment. And so we talked about how um, in Ezekiel 28. We had seen how that he was the created being of God by his hand, the most beautiful, the most intelligent. His, whenever he was created, he said, you are the sum of sums. You, you are the sum of the whole. Your, your body was beautiful. It, it had all kinds of, uh, it had 12 stones. It had the sapphires, the diamonds, the rubies, the emeralds, the amethysts. I mean, it, it lists the topaz. It listed all of them. There weren't no fake zirconiums upon that, that bodysuit that he had. It was all of these stones. And I got to thinking this morning as I was meditating. Because whenever we were on vacation, we, we saw the Haygoods. And they put on this, this fabulous uh, concert and show. And they started out with these laser lights that went everywhere. And it was, it was just so stunning and beautiful. And I got to thinking, Lucifer means the light bearer. And God is light and in him is no darkness at all. 
And can you imagine then when it says that he was the one who had, who had led the worship service up and down the stones of fire. Can you imagine that being the light bearer and your body is nothing but these beautiful stones that was created by God with the golden uh, tablets that, that was holding them in. That it might have been like those laser light shows with coming through that with all of these beautiful lights. I don't know, but I know it was marvelous, whatever that worship was in heaven. But God said, you were all of that, and you were the cherub who covers. You were the anointed one until iniquity was found in you. And because of all of your pomp, and because of all of the compliments and the accolades that you were being given and how beautiful you were and people telling you that your heart got lifted up wanting to be more than I am and you wanted to place your throne above God and you wanted to be above the north and you wanted to be better than I am the five I wills from Isaiah chapter 14 and God says because your heart was lifted up by your beauty and your wisdom corrupted by reason of that brightness Now look what he says. I will cast you to the ground. And that word is aratz, which is the earth. In that first verse of Genesis, when God created the heavens and the earth, it is ha-aratz. So he was cast to the earth. That's what I'm, I'm trying to point out, that when he sinned and that iniquity was there and the war began, he was cast down to the earth. I, and laid before all of the kings, and that's, that's really all of the high-ranking devil, um, demonic angels that are with him. We're going to see that in a couple of weeks, so hang on with me. I'll, I'll show you that that's the case. That's what they're referred to. Earlier in Ezekiel, he's referred to as the king of Tyre. So the kings are those angelic beings who are over, have oversight of nations. And he says, I will bring you before them and... Bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all of them that behold. So Satan was cast out of heaven, brought forth in a fire, a fiery collision, a bonfire upon the earth. Like Jesus said, I saw him like lightning. I saw that, that streak come down and he, you was thrown to the earth and you was brought to ashes upon it. And so then... In Jeremiah, we talked about in Jeremiah chapter 4, 23 to go along with this casting out and what happened to the earth when it happened. God was bringing a judgment upon his people for their lack of knowledge and for going a whoring after other gods. And he says, I'm going to bring you into judgment. And then he had a flashback for the first one of his creation that left him. And he says this, I beheld the earth. And that means, look, behold, take notice and lo, It was without form and void, and I beheld the heavens, and they had no light. You see, it wasn't like that before, but because of that, this happened. Whenever the fiery ashes hit, whenever everything was burnt, it says the earth became, was, is the word for become, without form and void, and I beheld the heavens, and the light had gone out. Then we saw that Isaiah 45 details for us the fact that the original earth spoken into being by the voice of God was not created without form and void. You look up there, he's trying to let us know who's talking so we don't get mixed up thinking that a mere man is trying to imagine things. Look what it says. I am the Lord God in verse 5. He says, there is no other. Again in verse 6. He says, there is none besides me. I am the Lord God. Verse 7, I the Lord do these things. Verse 8, I the Lord have created it. Verse 11, ask of me the things concerning the works of my hands. How I made the earth. How I created man upon it. And I, even I, my hands stretched out the heavens and all their hosts. And I have commanded them. So who is talking about creation the Lord God is you if you want to know what happened you better seek my word and ask me because I'm the only one who can tell you the truth on what it was and then we get to verse 18 this is the one that we're bringing into our thought process of what happened in that battle 
For thus says the Lord, again he's emphasizing it, who created the heavens, who is God, the one who formed the earth and made it, I established it, and I did not create it what? Oh, really? I thought Genesis 1 and 1, verse 1 and 2 said you did. In a beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void and darkness upon the face of the deep. I thought it says that, right? What does God say here? I did not create it in vain. The same word, tohu, is used here in the Hebrew language that's used in Genesis 1-2. But he says, I did not create it in vain. Oh, really? What happened? This fall that we just talked about. He created it perfect. But then the fall tore it up. And we're going to study that a little deeper in just a moment. And then he says, so I did not create it. And that word not there is low. There's two words for, for no or not in the Hebrew language. And Miss Dina, I don't know if you got it, but I sent you the link to everything to learn the Hebrew language if you want. Okay? But there's two words, low and ow. Let me explain what those means. If I said ow, it would be, it's A-L. It would be something like, don't touch the stove because it's hot. Now, tomorrow you can touch it because I, I won't be cooking and it'll be cold. So when I say, do not touch the stove right now because it's hot at this moment, that's something that's temporary and it can be fixed later on. And you can do it then. But whenever it says low, that means it's probably not ever a good idea to do that. Let me give you a couple examples. Thou shall not have any other God before me. Thou shalt not steal. Each one of those is low. Low. That's the word for it's not, it wasn't yesterday. It's not good today. And any day going forward, that means no, it's not. So you've got to, that's, that's why it's so wonderful to understand and go deep so that, that you can gain the knowledge of what's truly happening. And God says, I did not, lo, never did I create the earth in vain. It became that way. And what did I have to do? I then formed it to be inhabited by man for this angelic trial that we're going to be in and battle. And I am the Lord God. You believe me and ask me. And there is no other God celebrity that you need to go to but me. So. The earth became that way. I did not create it. Whenever he was cast out. So as he was cast out. Let's see how I want to take this here. Lucifer, the light bearer, who wanted his throne to be above God, above the heavens, worshipped by all, found out that the only thing that he was going to be God of was the God of the prince of darkness and of hell. And that realm where he was going, but he is never going to be the God of heaven. The God, the God of heaven is. And now the deceiver, the accuser, Begins to say, well, you're unfair. That's not right for you to sentence me to eternal punishment in a lake of fire. I'm going to show you how that he is known as the accuser. And that's why God calls him Satan and the devil. The, the lawyer who, is un, who is, cannot tell the truth and is always accusing not only God and his character, but you and I as well. He's the accuser of the brethren. So with this case then has to be legally proven with evidence. And thus the foreknowledge of God already had known what was going to happen in that heavenly realm. And he already had a plan for the earth and for man. Because it says that Jesus Christ was the Lamb of God before the foundation of the world. So before he ever even spoke this planet into being... As omniscient God, one of those characteristics of being all-knowing, he already knew everything and the plan was already there for man, 
for the Lord Jesus Christ and how this conflict was going to be solved and how that we would be witnesses for the prosecution. And anyone who does not accept the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be witnesses for defense and spend time with him. And so this has to be legally proven. And so now the witness in the angelic war and the trial is getting ready to be coming in. So here we go with now Genesis 1-1. So turn there with me if you would. We're going to go right to the beginning now. This is what has happened. This is what has taken place. And now time as we know it is about ready to get started in this trial of the angelic warfare and conflict that we are within and why man is here. We're going to be covering all of its history in the next few weeks and I hope you're excited for it. I mean, man, we're, we're going to talk about not only creation, we're going to talk about man, we're going to talk about woman, we're going to talk about the garden, the fall, we're going to talk about Cain and Abel slightly and the deception that goes on there about how the influence of the devil can be in you. It says in the New Testament that Cain slew his brother Abel because he was indwelt by Satan himself. So you can see how the deceiver started with Adam and Eve. He worked his way to Cain on Abel. And he is working on every one of us going forward. This is a winner take all on each side. That's going to happen. So if you're there in Genesis 1.1. It says it's really in a beginning. Because we've discussed that God is eternal. He had no start point. No end time. He has always been. So there became a point of time in that eternity past. When all of this happened and finally God said, okay, it's time to put in the plan for the exhibits of this, of this conflict, of this trial. So in that point of time, God created. That's the word bara. Three things happened to this world, folks. Bara, asa, and yatsar. And I know I'm, I'm going technical, but I want you to understand the beauty of what God's doing here. Bara means there was nothing and he spoke it into being and it was that means God said just like when he says light be and light was it was spoken into being God spoke the heavens and the earth into being in a beginning God created that's that word the heavens and the earth Yatsar is to form something. In a little bit we're going to see that God formed man of the dust of the ground. Making him into something to be formed is Asa. Asa is to make something out of something. So now God's getting ready to make something out of something after he spoke it and created it. And creation is something that was not before and now is. And the rest of it is the work of God's hands upon that that he's doing. And he said, I'm going to form the earth for habitation that we saw there in, in Isaiah 45 a minute ago. So he, he spoke it in the, into and being in the heavens and the earth became. The earth was without form and void. No. Chaya is that word there. It's the word for to become something that you was not. It's the same word used in verse 4 when it will say, Let there be light and light was. Was is this word. That's the same word that they got translated here. But light wasn't before light was. You see what I'm saying? So the earth was means to become something that it was not before. It's the same thing as man is laying there formed and motionless and dead because the breath of life is not given to him yet. And it says that God breathed into man's nostrils the breath of lives and man became. They finally translated that word became a living soul because he was not a living soul until that breath of life became into him. That is this word all the way through there. The earth became. It was something that it came to be without form and void. Darkness was now upon the face of the deep and the spirit of God brooding over the face of the waters. That word there for for to be upon the face and moving, that's, that's the word to brood like a chicken does its eggs and goes to hatch it. It's heat 
and stuff that forms around it to move and to brood that into something that's going to be able to bear life. And so we know from God himself of giving the nickname of devil and Satan and serpent to Lucifer that those are titles and not proper names. So the dragon called the devil means that he is the one who is falsely accusing in this. And how do we know that? Because of everything else that the Bible describes about it. But I'm going to take you to one point as we get ready to interject into here. This is why in this whole trial and this legal exhibits that the Lord Jesus is referred to as our advocate. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse 1 and 2 you have one of the most precious verses of scripture that's in the Bible concerning you and I. If you don't know who you are in Christ Jesus here's one of those things right here that you are. It says this, John writes to him and says, my little children. And that means he's talking to those who are in Christ, who are a child of God. He was also writing, he was, he was the, the preacher at Ephesus. And whenever he was put on the Isle of Patmos, it was from there to write Revelation. But he, he's writing to them and he says, my little children, those who are in Christ Jesus with me and who are my children in faith. I write you these things so that you might not sin. But we all know that we're sinners. And so I want you to know something. Don't think that your hope and your lost cause if you are a sinner because if you sin, look at that next phrase. If you sin, we have an advocate with the Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Let me tell you what advocate means. That word for advocate is parakletos. And it means one who is close by and has an, an entire knowledge of the situation so that he can give the proper presentation of it. And in the first century here, it was used for the term of lawyer. Does that not excite you that when you come to Christ that he is your lawyer in this battle and in this trial? Whenever you come, oh, what happened? I know he doesn't want you to hear this, but we're going to hear it anyway. I got notes, Satan. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Praise God. The work of Jesus Christ, His sinless life, His sacrificial death upon the cross, that death, burial, and resurrection, the DBR, qualified Him to be righteous. And that's why it says that those who come to Him and are baptized into Christ, it says that He who knew no sin became our sin for us so that we would be able to become the righteousness of God in Him. And now He stands as our advocate. He is our lawyer. And whenever the accuser who accused God of not being fair and is the accuser of our brethren, which is you and I, whenever just like before Job and he goes and stands up and says, God says, you consider Job. And he says, yeah, but let me add him. He wouldn't be this and that if you hadn't got a hedge around him. He is the accuser of the brethren. His, his term for Satan and devil means accuser and a law prosecutor as well. He is the defender of his case. Jesus Christ is the defender of our case. And who you serve is who you will spend time with in eternity. He is our lawyer. He is our advocate. And He is the propitiation for our sins, which means He's already paid for them. And that's why He is faithful and just that every time that it says in the previous chapter in John 1, that if you confess your sins and your faults before me, I am faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you of all unrighteousness because they are not yours anymore. They are the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the accuser stands before the throne of God, and tries to say have you considered these people of yours they've done this and they've done this and they've done this the lawyer for the prosecution says I, Father I stand up and say that they are mine here's the nail marks on the hand that Thomas wanted to see that says I've done paid the penalty I took the propitiation they are saved he has no right to accuse the brethren that are before me. That's what this battle is all about, folks. That's what's going on in this. And so the earth 
is having to be prepared for you and I to inhabit it after that fall so that this can go on. That's what's taking place here. So now, what we want to hear, those of us who have Christ as a lawyer, when you stand before the throne, what we hear is, well done, good and faithful servant. You... It might have been a small grain of sand faith and it might have been a little bit of something you was faithful in but because you was faithful in just a little bit I am going to now place you over everything in my son. But to those who are on the other side said you rejected that. You thought that I was no one to be served and you wanted to serve self out here in the world. Go and spend time with the devil and his angels whom that hell was prepared for because you chose to be with them in this battle. So then that's why when we get back to Genesis 1, and now I'm going to show you in the slide section that takes it all the way down. We're going to go backwards from this now. We've taught it forward. Uh, I want to go forward and backwards so we get it. So in a point of time, in eternity past, the Godhead, that's Elohim, it's plural. That means the Father, Son, and Spirit was all in agreement. When they, bara created something out of nothing, the heavens and the earth, the Hashemayim and the Haaretz, the Godhead created these, and then they had already outlined the procedure for everything, and the Lord Jesus Christ created all things by Him and for Him. And so there we have bara that it came into being, and the Lord spoke it, and it was, and everything that He ordained it to be and planned it to be, it was, because it says in Isaiah 45 that I didn't create it in vain, but I formed it to be inhabited. We're going to see in the rest of the chapter how He's going to begin forming that for mankind to be there. And as He formed it, it says to be inhabited. That word means to dwell in comfort and in love. It's a place that you desire to be in. He created the world and then he had to reform it. And as he restored it, he formed it to be inhabited for mankind. Every one of his needs is met. Whenever he creates him, he says, I've given you every tree in the garden, every herb in the field. Everything upon it is for you to have rain and your food and your pleasure and everything, God created it for our habitation. Whew, i got to catch a breath. Whew. So now, and then it says in the next verse, He created it, but then it was without form and void. We went over that it became something it was not, because He said right there above it, I did not ever create it in vain. But that means it became without form and void. And it became that, it, that means to fall out. And then darkness come upon the face of the deep. And then this verse now defines the state of the earth after Satan's fall in Genesis 4, or in Jeremiah 4.23. When God says after that fall, I beheld the earth and it has become without form and void. And the heavens, it has no light. So when that all happened and that light snuffed out upon this earthly realm and this galaxy was now total darkness. It was out, dark. This word for darkness is koshek. And it's a deep, dark darkness. It's a sinister darkness at times. It can be one that was so thick that you don't even move. You remember the plagues out there in Exodus? Whenever the plague of darkness, it said it was so thick Thick, that they could feel the darkness and they refused to move even inside of their houses. That's this word. And there was darkness upon the face of the deep. That word is to home. And I'll give you to home. It can be the deep. It also, its original meaning was a deep abyss. See, an empty abyss filled with surging water. I'm beginning to think that might have been the prison because guess what it says in Revelation 9 whenever the star is going to fall from heaven and he's going to be given the keys to the abyss to release Abaddon or Apollyon and all the ones out of the abyss. So now we know what that was representing. So there was the abyss, the, the deep. And then the waters were placed over the top of it. It's deep, almost a bottomless pit. 
It's, it's got waters now all over the top of it. It became all of this. And the surging mass of water and the lights went out and everything was enveloped in darkness that covered that abuso. Do you know what happens in the galaxy when there is total darkness, when there is no light and you have a koshek darkness upon something and you don't have an atmosphere as something to hold in light is heat, right? The sun is heat. Absence of light is darkness and cold. I've got a link and I can share it with anyone that wants it to, to science.com. Uh, a 2017 article from October of that year when it was getting ready for the blood moons and the eclipses and stuff that was happening upon the moon. And it freaked me out when I read it because it says that the, and it goes with everything we're going to be studying in Genesis, but it says that the moon, whenever the light of the sun gets blocked, the moon has extreme changes in temperature realms because that there is no atmosphere. The atmosphere serves as insulation and it holds heat in and it insulates from, from the heat and the radiation that can destroy things. If we did not have the atmosphere that God is going to create on day two for the earth, we would be burned up and froze to death every day like the, the moon is. On the dark side of the moon, as Pink Floyd tried to put an album out about, not that I listened to it, on the dark side of the moon, it's without light. And it says that without light, it can reach as high on the northern side that never gets light. The temperature goes as low as 413 degrees negative Fahrenheit, below zero. 400, because there is no atmosphere and there is no light. On the side of the moon that there is light, shining because there is no atmosphere to protect it that temperature reaches plus 280 degrees so whenever they said within 20 minutes of the eclipse as it goes across that it can go from a positive 260 to a negative 240 in about 20 minutes to a half an hour because there is no atmosphere so aren't you glad the lord put an atmosphere here Around the earth to protect us. See, he, he formed it to be inhabited in comfort. And then, so if we have without form, void, and darkness upon the face of the raging waters of the abyss, guess what you have the earth in, in darkness? Ice. It's, it's negative 400 degrees, folks. You've really got an ice ball, is what you've got. And that's why the next verse says, And the Spirit of God was hovering. And that's the word for to incubate. It's the word, this is in what is called a PL stem, which is very, very intensive. Like I can say, oh, I shot a squirrel today, I'm going to have some supper. That's a polite way of saying, you know, you, you killed the squirrel and you're going to have supper. But the PL way of saying it would be, boy, I got that little burger and I, and you start describing everything in detail what you did. Now, that's a PL stem. And it says that the Holy Spirit, you see, the earth was helpless. It could do nothing to save itself. And the Holy Spirit, just like he does in working with us, comes upon a cold heart. And he begins to hover upon it as the word of God goes. You see, light has three properties. It has actinic, it has luminiferous, and it has calorific, just like the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. That's why God is light. And the actinic part is the Holy, or the, the calorific part is the Holy Spirit. That means you don't always see the light. It's kind of a blue light. It's kind of one that you don't often see that you got to put them blue blockers on for. But... It is the part of light that provides heat. And that's why the Holy Spirit is like tongues of fire in Acts chapter 2. He is the one that, that takes what was dead and makes it alive and restores it. And so the Holy Spirit now begins to incubate. That's Rahab in the PL stem. It's the same word used in Deuteronomy 32 whenever the eagle comes and broods upon its nest. 
The Holy Spirit brooded upon the face of those waters. And it means also to become soft in the dictionary when you look up that word. So it was taking that which was hard and softening it up like the heart of one who is being convicted by the Holy Spirit of the word of God. And so now you have the Holy Spirit incubating and making the waters to begin to form instead of ice that was all surrounded on there. And then... I got way ahead. I got to catch up. So now with you've got Satan's appeal. So the Holy Spirit, God had the plan, you and I, to be the witnesses in this thing and to solve that. We are we are protecting the character of God by proving that he is love, righteousness and justice in everything that he does. And so man is getting ready to come into picture and it has to be formed to be inhabited. And now it says in verse 3 of Genesis 1, after we've, we've seen all of this, now God says, let there be light, and light was. And again, that's Hayah, something that came into being that wasn't. And then now we have the earth begins to have something done. The light separates itself from darkness. Those who walk in the light walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, led by the Spirit. Those who are in darkness around us. From the very beginning, it's a separation of light and dark. And that's what the battle is about. So you've got, then it says, evening and morning. God's timetable is evening and morning. The day does not start at midnight. It doesn't start at 7 a.m. in the morning. It starts at dusk, 6 p.m. Evening, morning, Yomikad, day one. You'll see all the way through there, the evening and the morning, day two. You see, Satan always tries to get us to work in a disagreement with God in every single facet. And even the calendar, which is called the Julian calendar. Because Julius Caesar, that Roman, invented it and said, we're going to start it this way. And we're going to do it that way. And then we're going to name the days of the week after all of our Roman gods. Like Saturday is for Saturn and sun after the sun god for Sunday. So they... They take everything. You look in here. God says it's day one, day two, day three, day four, day five. He didn't put names on the days. So then. We now have the day two coming up. Evening and morning brings atmosphere. Now we get the firmament. Now we get the protection of the earth. We get everything that wraps around it. And that begins to do something too. It begins to separate some things. It begins to separate on day three the waters from the waters. And it begins to separate those. And, and oceans and sea begin to be divided now from the dry land which begins to appear. And God is forming the land for the habitation of man. Grass, herbs that yield seed after its kind. Fruit trees yield seeds after its kind. There's some vegetables back in here that, that uh, Ken and Susie have been working very hard on all year. And some of the other ones with them. I know Donnie has and, and I know that a few others has. Donnie and April. There's, there's been some people that's done that and they're sharing that out here with you. But if you cut open, if you have an heirloom one. Not, not a genetically modified one, a hybrid. But God said, I'm giving, what I'm giving you is seeds that bear after its kind. And they're called heirlooms because you can hand them down and they keep doing the same thing the way God said. You'll cut open those cucumbers there and you're going to find seeds bearing after its kind. And you're going to cut the tomatoes open and find seeds bearing after its kind. Because God is forming and providing Everything that man needs upon this earth to get ready for this conflict. And evening and morning begins to end day three. Then we get in verse 14, we begin starting with day four of God's restoration and forming this earth for habitation of man and the angelic conflict. And now's when we actually get sun and moon and stars and planets and galaxy. Some, and this is going to be important going forward in a few weeks. Some of those things are oars, they're light bearers. And some of them are not, they're light reflectors. Oh, that's going to be important because, you know, whenever God brings man and woman into the picture, they are the same thing. Man is the, the glory of the Father. And then the woman 
he, who he treats as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it, she becomes the reflector of that glory. Oh, there's some things that goes deep in creation all the way through, folks. And so there is these things, and we got stars and planets and dust and meteors and everything in all the galaxy belts that God puts out around here. And he sets it up for signs and seasons and days and years and and for us to learn some things from. And then day five, the restoration begins with now filling the waters with the living creatures and the airs of the heavens with the birds that fly. And God bless them. And God always says, be fruitful and multiply and fill it up. When God comes to man, he's going to say, I want you to go and I want you to be fruitful and I want you to multiply. And everywhere of Satan's tactics today is trying to say there's too many people on this planet. We got to get rid of a bunch of them because everything he does goes into direct conflict with what the word of God says. God said, fill it up. Fill that earth up. And then you're going to subdue it. God says, you can't harm it because it's my creation. And the same way I spoke it into being, it says that the Lord Jesus Christ holds everything together by the word of his power. Man ain't going to do anything to it that the Lord cannot handle and, and, and take care of. Fill it up. Love it. Be fruitful and multiply and go have fun with it. Go ahead and put those scars across the earth and plant your seeds and, and watch it grow. I'm going to provide for you. So then day five ends with all of those now in a being and fruitful and multiply and evening and morning ends that day and now day six comes. And day six, the end of the restoration is finally here. The huge land animals and creeping things that are upon the earth. Then God finally says in verse 26, okay, it's time. Everything's ready. Everything's in place for man and his comfort and his habitation upon this earth and to go forward in this angelic battle that we're going to be in. And he said, let us make man. Us is plural. All three of them are there together. Let's make him in our image and in our likeness. And man will be created as female and as male. See Satan's trying to disperse that again today too. Everything the way God established it. From his divine establishment. That he goes against. And he says I want you to have. Go out and take care of the earth. I want you to subdue it. And you're going to have authority over the cattle. And the fish and the seas. And dominion and the creeping things. And you're going to be over that. And you know a man at first was created an herbivore. He was told that I've created for you every herb that yields seed after its kind and the trees that bears fruit after its kind I have given to you to eat. Man is given permission to eat meat after the flood in Genesis. After the flood starts in Genesis 6 and 7 and 8 and 9. After it lands, whenever they come out and God makes the new covenant with them and at the rainbow, he says, I'm going to now, you see, all the animals came to him. They, they, he, he had named them all in a moment whenever he's in the garden. I'm going to show you. All of them was friendly. All of them he could name. All He didn't eat of those at that point because God put so much nutrition from the dust of the ground, are we? And we're eating the fruits from the dust of the ground. But then after the flood, you go and look and God tells Noah, he says, now... I'm going to put the fear of man into the animals. And you will be able to eat of them. And then by the time you get into Exodus. When, when the Moses is going and he's given the law. Then he's going to say I'm going to give you some animals that are clean. And some animals that are unclean that you can have. And he starts laying those out. But at the beginning it was the seeds and the herbs and the trees. of the seed That are bearing after its kind. And so then. The end of day six approaches and we're ready to begin. In chapter two, when we turn the page, after all that's finished, God rested from all the work that he did. And it says this. I want you to look. It says this is the history. This is what really happened of the earth and the heavens. And then in chapter or verse seven of chapter two, the details of man and the Lord God formed man. Yatsar, from the dust of the ground from which he had made him, Asav, 
But man is lying there motionless. He's not alive yet. He's just a shell. And one day, the reverse process happens because when we depart from this earth, the Spirit of God, that breath of God that breathed life into us when we're born, that Spirit of God goes back to Him. Our soul goes back to God who gave it. And Ecclesiastes says our body goes back to the ground as dust from which it came. So this is the process of the beginning of our life. Ecclesiastes is the reverse process, is the end of our life. And we will, every birth is born with a breath in, and every death is born with a sigh out. The spirit is given, the soul is given, the, the soul returns back to God. So man's laying there motionless, formed and made, prepared, but not yet created. Not yet something that was not put into him. And so now, because the dust of the earth was already there, it was able to be formed. But then it says in verse 7 that the Lord God who formed man of the dust of the ground now breathes into his nostrils the breath of lives and man became. There's our word hayah, just like in Genesis when it became without form and void. He became a living being, a living soul, a nephesh. So in grace now, man has everything prepared for him to get ready for this choice, this conflict. There has to be, there has to be some way for man to make a choice for God or not. And so now the tree that's in the midst of the garden, those trees of everything that God has created, be, begins to be the focus. And God comes to man and he tells him in verse 16, he says, of every tree that I have put for you in the garden, and I've put a lot of them there for you. Some are for food. Some are for the beauty of the eyes. So I've given you everything you need for life and godliness. I've, I've provided beautiful things. I've provided the things that's going to nourish you. But I also got two trees that's in the midst of the garden. One's a tree of life, and one's a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not. And that's low again. That's don't you ever. It's not, not any day will it be okay for you to eat of that tree. For in the day that you eat of it, thou will surely die. And so God placed then Adam in that garden with everything and with that stipulation. There's only one way to, to fall and choose. And that's a negative volition to God just as Satan did in the heavenly realm in a perfect environment as well. And so now he's there. And so he begins naming all of the animals. And I want you to know that God created from the day he was created Satan as a intelligent. He says, you were the smartest, the wisest. So Adam was not no caveman like the devils want you to portray him. And we came from some Neanderthal type things. Adam was created with a super brain. He was way above us, and he, he was able to name every single... Just think, you had to create those names from your imagination. Today, if I ask you to create some names, we already know a whole lot of names from our experiences, and we could start naming things or street names. Try to name a uh, hundred streets with names that you've never seen a street name from and just try to come up and make them. He named every single animal and bird and everything that God brought before him I mean the intelligence was beyond belief and he does that but after the end when he got to the end of all of that it says he had been seeing the male and female animals that I named this and that but he said after all of these things I didn't find anyone that was compatible with me Lord and God looked at him and said that's right you made a good decision there because none of those are supposed to be compatible with you. And so I'm going to do something for you. And it says that the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And the Lord God reached in and he took a rib out of the man. Next week we're going to continue on with this story. Come on back and you're going to find out from that everything that's going to happen. And we're going to get into the garden and to the fall of man. But as our praise team comes on up. We're beginning to see, I hope, what this is all about. And it's, it's a battle for our souls in the conquest of the testimony of God's righteousness versus Satan's accusations in this matter. And how and why we got here and how the earth was prepared for us.
So as we end today, I want you to think about that and, and how our walk of life and how we serve him because it's that important, folks, that we, we bring it down to the reality of eternity and what eternity is going to be about. Come on, brother. Oh, okay. Oh, thank you. God bless you. You just keep playing every week, okay? We'll, we'll help you up or you keep playing. So what I wanted to do was just read something to you. This is that time when all of this is over. Everything is over. Matthew 25, these are the words of the Lord. They're not my words, they're the Lord's words. This is the Lamb of God, the only way that we can overcome. This is His words, starting in verse 31. When the Son of Man, that's me, that's Jesus, comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him, then He will sit on the throne of His glory. That's that judgment day is coming and the great throne judgments here. All the nations are going to be gathered together before Him. He will separate. You know, we started in Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and 4 with separation. Light was. It was separated from darkness. Waters separated from land. Everyone wants to think, say, God is inclusive and God just accepts everything. No, God separates. Jesus said, I, I didn't want to come to bring a sword, but I'm going to bring division. There's going to be households against households and nations against nations. And he says, he's going to separate when he sits there on his throne and his glory on that day. One from another as a shepherd divides the sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand. And he's going to put the goats on his left hand. And then the king. And I want you to know he's not just the king. He's the king of kings. And through this study, that's why I've learned that that wasn't just talking about like the kings of the earth. It's talking about the little K. Because every time you see king of kings, it's capital K for the first king. And kings is small K. Just like when it talks about gods, you've got a capital G God. And you've got the small G gods of the world. This is the king, capital K, of the little K kings, the devil and his demons. This is the king of kings. And he's going to separate the sheep on the goats. And he's going to say to those on his right hand, his sheep, the shepherd, come, you are blessed of my father. Come and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the earth. See, I told you this was all planned before the foundation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you took me in. I was naked, you clothed me. I was sick, you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And the righteous, that's us. That's the sheep that he put over here. We're going to say, Lord, when did we ever see you that way? I didn't know I've ever seen you. He said, when did we see you hungry and thirsty and feed you and give you drink and stranger and took you in and naked and clothed you? We didn't see you like that in prison and visit you, did we? And in verse 40, the king will answer and say to them, to us, Assuredly, I say unto you, as much as you did it to the least of any of these, it was as if you was doing it to me. It kind of matters what we do in life and how we treat each other, don't it? And then he will say also to those that are on the left, Depart from me, ye cursed, into everlasting fire prepared for who? Devil and his angels. You see, this is all about the trial and the appeal and the witness that we give. You're either a witness for the Lord or you're a witness for the devil. He said, Go to the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Because I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty and you didn't give me a drink. I was a stranger and you didn't take me in. I was naked and you didn't clothe me. And I was sick and in prison and you didn't visit me. And they also will answer him and say, Lord, when did we ever see you in any of these type of things and did not minister to you? And he will answer and say, Assuredly, I say unto you, inasmuch as you didn't do it to the least of one of these, then you didn't do it to me. 
And these will go away into everlasting punishment with the devil and his angels. But the righteous to eternal life. Because Jesus Christ is our advocate. He is our lawyer who stands upon that throne and says, I know who you are, good and faithful servant. Come on in and enter in to the kingdom that was prepared for you. So, Father, as we close your word this day, boy, have we learned so much in the last couple of weeks. Our minds are just filled with wonder and just awe of you and all that you've done and how all this is pieced together when we seek the answers from you and not from someone else or some other literature or some man's opinions, but when we just turn to the word of God and you've said in there that those who seek the treasures of the deep will find it and we have been searching, Father, for these truths And you've been revealing them to us. And we give you all praise, honor, and glory. Now we see what this is all about. And how that you created and then formed this earth to be inhabited by man. So that we could be your ambassadors. You have chosen to put your word of truth and your witness into clay vessels like us. That we could take it out. And that like the Lord told Thomas. That those, even though they have never seen me, will believe. And I pray, Father, that each and every soul that is gathered here together today, that you have given the breath of life to. And that soul is eternal. I pray that each and every soul desires to follow you and to be your witness, Father, and not for the, the enemy. I pray, Father, that they make that choice and if it hasn't been before that it's made today and to those who have been, that you do not allow the evil one to have anything to do with us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us away from the evil one, Father. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever, and we want to reside in that kingdom forever with you. Help us to make it through the blood of the Lamb of God and the word of our testimony. Even if it comes that we love not our life even unto death. And we ask these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.